When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from the past. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. Now, as we review these throwbacks, remember many of these recordings were made over a decade ago. I just ask that you keep that historical context in mind. Today in 2020, there's a vastly different consciousness. Risk has always asked our storytellers to err on the side of not being too cautious, to speak in as unfiltered a way as possible. That said, we also want our storytellers to be compassionate in their storytelling. But even in stories where you hear an overall compassionate context to the sharing, you might still notice some moments that strike you as cringeworthy today. A lot of these storytellers, and myself as the host of some of the oldest episodes, would probably have handled those moments differently today. As always, the title of the series, Risk, is itself a trigger warning. This week, a story that Laurie Baird first shared on the podcast in February of 2014. Here's Laurie now with a story we call Left Behind. In 1973, I was 10 years old, and I lived in a small town outside of Pittsburgh with my mother and my father. Our household was not a harmonious place. My mother was nasty and ill-tempered, and she did not want to be a parent. My baby teeth, before they had a chance to fall out on their own, actually decayed and turned black and then fell out. Childcare was not top of her list of priorities. Sometimes she would stop talking to me for a day or two. And I'm talking about when I was a little kid, six or seven years old. She just ignored me for the day. I went into a panic trying to figure out, why are you ignoring me? What's wrong? Why are you mad at me? And she just wouldn't talk to me. And then the next day, everything would be fine. She tortured me about my weight. She told me I was as big as a house and that no boy would ever like me. She was just an awful person. Something that happened every summer was the people would come up to our house because we had a front porch and the neighbors would come up to hang out and smoke cigarettes and drink coffee and gossip. And during this particular summer of 1973, one of our neighbors, Aunt Harriet, started bringing her 19-year-old son with her. Bobby was his name. My mother explained to me that apparently he and his friends had been drinking or smoking pot or taking LSD and they'd gotten into a car accident. During this accident, my mother explained to me, Bobby's brain shook around inside of his skull, and now he was funny, as she put it. I later learned that he had been diagnosed as a schizophrenic, 
and now he needed to be watched all the time. So he moved back home, and every evening in the summertime, when Aunt Harriet came, she brought Bobby with her. I didn't like Bobby. He was really scary to me. He was about 5'9", 5'10", kind of husky because he played football in high school. And he had this sort of wild-eyed stare and this weird, creepy laugh. And he always laughed at the wrong moment. And so I was afraid of him. And I didn't want to be there when he was there. I wanted to go in the backyard and play. But my mother said, no, you have to be here because we don't want Aunt Harriet to feel badly. So when Aunt Harriet and Bobby there, I hung out on the front porch. And after a couple of visits, my mother and Aunt Harriet shooed us away because, you know, I realized that Bobby and I were kind of babysitting each other. Aunt Harriet was now strapped with this adult son who couldn't be left alone. And my mother was strapped with this 10-year-old daughter who she just didn't want ever. So, you know, we were babysitting each other in another part of the house or in the backyard. You might think that a 10-year-old and a 19-year-old schizophrenic wouldn't have anything to talk about, but you'd be wrong. As it happens, one of the first things Bobby ever said to me was, have you heard the good news? And I thought, I don't know, the, the ice cream man is here? No, the good news was apparently that Jesus had died for my sins. And I was a little bewildered, but I knew who Jesus was. I heard about him in Sunday school. Um, he was that hippie guy with the long hair and the beard, sometimes worked with a lamb. He loved everybody. This wasn't the Jesus or the God that Bobby wanted to tell me about. See, in addition to the good news that Jesus died for my sins, there was some bad news. And that was, I was going to hell. See, um, in order to not go to hell, I had to not just believe in God, not just believe in Jesus, but I had to have accepted him into my heart as my personal savior. And over the course of the next three months, Bobby proceeded to tell me everything a nervous 10-year-old would never want to know about the world ending. And it went a little something like this. In the next few days, in fact, any minute now, you're going to look around either at the playground or walking on your street, and people will start to be floating up into heaven. And that's going to be something called the rapture. And that's where God collects all of his God-fearing people and brings them to heaven to protect them from what's going to happen next. And what's going to happen next is called the tribulation. And because you haven't accepted Jesus into your heart, you are going to be one of those people who've been left behind. Now, you're not totally screwed. You have the next 12 years to make amends to God. And during this 12-year period called the tribulation, a man will come into power and rule the whole world. And this man will be very handsome, and he will preach a message of peace, and everybody will love him. But don't be fooled, because he's actually the Antichrist. So the Antichrist will come into power, and one of the rules he will make is that in order to buy or sell anything, including food and shelter, you will have to get a tattoo on your right hand or on your forehead. And we'll call this the Mark of the Beast, because in addition to being called the Antichrist, he also has the friendly name, the Beast. So Bobby explains to me that I will be forced to take the Mark of the Beast as a barcode tattooed on my right hand or my forehead, which is all well and good. But then Bobby explains to me that if I do take the barcode, God will immediately cast me into a lake of fire. If I don't take the barcode, I will be executed by the state. So I'm damned if I do and damned if I don't. 
I am listening to this wrapped in attention. It may sound unbelievable to you now, but to a 10-year-old kid, this is like the worst scary story ever. And he's peppering the story with anecdotes about things that are happening in the real world that indicate that the end of the world is actually coming. For instance, 1973 is when Roe v. Wade becomes a law and women are allowed to abort their babies. And this is horrifying to Bobby. And also, our vice president resigns from office in 1973. And there's a war in the Middle East because Egypt and Syria have invaded Israel. The other thing is that the IRA the Irish Republican Army is blowing up train stations in Europe. And he's using these real-world examples, which I didn't really understand, to absolutely horrify me and make me think that he's got proof that all of this is actually going to happen. And again, I'm sucking this all up and I'm believing it. And I know that the Jesus that I learned about in Bible school is... Totally implausible to me. This hippie guy who loves everybody just doesn't make any sense to me. This imperious, unforgiving, ill-tempered God makes complete sense to me because I'm living with an imperious, ill-tempered, unforgiving mother. So I'm having anxiety attacks. I can't sleep at night. I start to bite my nails. And finally, I go to my mother. I say to her, I'm scared, you know, I'm afraid the rapture's going to come and I'm not going to go to heaven. And she totally brushes me off and says, well, then you'd better behave. So this continues. And during one of our chats, Bobby sort of lowers his voice conspiratorially and says to me, you know, I have to tell you something. Your mother's not buying any of this, and she's not accepting Jesus, and so she's going to go to hell. And I have two simultaneous thoughts when he says this to me. First is that I don't think a grown-up should be telling me that my mother's going to hell. And the second reaction is, gigglingly, oh my God, she's going to go to hell. Because I'm at the age where I'm starting to hate my mother, in addition to knowing that she's in charge. She's mom, she's in charge, she's in charge of everything. I'm starting to hate her too. And I have a little moment of glee knowing that she's going to hell. So I go to her with that. I tell her again, you know, I'm getting really scared. The rapture is coming. And Bobby says, you're going to hell. And my mother stops in her tracks. Suddenly, because it's about her, she gets so angry. I've never seen my mother this angry at someone who wasn't me and her face turns red and she just sort of sends me to the backyard go to the backyard and then there's this lull a couple of weeks go by and suddenly I realize Aunt Harriet and Bobby aren't coming up to our house anymore and suddenly there's no more talk of God and there's no more talk of the rapture and there's no more talk of the tribulation and they're sort of just cut out of our lives and life starts to begin to go back to our version of normal. But I'm I'm still terrified. I'm still looking out the window and hanging out at the playground waiting for people to be sucked up into heaven and terrified that I'm going to go to hell. So one night at the end of the summer, in my little bedroom, in my little twin bed, I accept Jesus into my heart as my personal Savior because going to hell was one thing. But going to hell with my mother was a risk I was not willing to take. 
That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.